player progress through the game. He had shouldered the weight. That I shrank away from two years ago and bore it splendidly. I swallowed the lump of self-disgust that rose in my chest, turned to Asuna, and said, A anyway, they're not half bad, as. Long as you ignore their leader's villainous looks. Now it was Klein's turn to stomp on my foot. Asuna bent over, chuckling at our bickering. Klein gave her a sloppy, flushed grin, then grabbed my arm and pulled me aside, speaking in a low but murderous tone. WHWH what does this mean, Carido? I struggled to come up with an answer, so Asuna sidled up. With one prepared. I'll be partnering up with him for a while, so it's nice to meet. You, she said in a clear voice. I was stunned. It isn't just four. Today? Klein and his friends vacillated between disappointment and jealous rage. Finally, Klein cast a beady eye on me and growled through gnashing teeth. Carito, you rat. Just as I was slumping my shoulders with the resignation that I wasn't going to get out of this easily, a new set of rattling and footsteps from the same doorway told of a new set of visitors. Hearing the rigid discipline of their march, Asuna brushed my arm, worried. It's the army, Carito. I turned to the entranceway with a start to see the same squad of heavily armored soldiers that we witnessed earlier in the forest. Klein raised a hand, and his comrades retreated to the wall. The soldiers entered in the same two-row formation, but it was not as crisp as before. They looked sluggish, and the bits of their faces that could be seen beneath the helmets were heavily fatigued. The squad came to a halt on the other side of the safety zone. The man in front gave the command to be at ease, and the other. Eleven clattered to the floor with an incredible din. He turned to us without a second glance at his subordinates. Upon closer look, his equipment was slightly different from the others. The plate armor was of finer make, and his breastplate was the only one that contained a crest meant to symbolize the full shape of Aincrad. The man stopped in front of us and removed his helmet. He was quite tall. I'd put him in his early thirties, with short hair and a square face, thick eyebrows, small and sharp eyes, and a thin, disapproving mouth. After an imposing gaze, he turned and spoke to me, as I stood the farthest forward. I am Lieutenant Colonel Corvatz of the Aincrad Liberation Army. That last part came as a surprise to me. I'd thought the Army was just a nickname that others used. When did it get AP appropriated into their official title? And he was a lieutenant. Colonel, to boot. I gave him a brief, Carido, solo. The man nodded, then continued imperiously. Have you already cleared the area? Yeah, we've mapped out everything up to the boss's lair. Good. I'd like your map data. I was momentarily taken aback by his matter-of-fact tone, but... Klein lost it altogether. W-H-W-A. You think we're just gonna hand it over? Do you? Have any idea how much work it takes to map a labyrinth? He bellowed. Maps of unfinished areas were a valuable resource. Treasure hunters who sought unopened chests would pay a fine price for that information.
The man raised an eyebrow at Klein's outburst and jutted out. His chin, we are fighting for the liberation of all players, including you, he barked. It should be your duty to share your informatian with us. It was sheer arrogance. The army had barely bothered to help. Clear floors in the past year. Wait, just a second. Why, you shameless. I had to hold out both hands to stop Asuna and Klein from converging on the man. I don't mind. I was going to release the data once I got back to town anyway. Oh, come on, man. You're being too generous. I don't treat map data like a business opportunity. I opened a trading window and sent the man named Corvats. My map. He accepted it stone-faced, said, your cooperation is appreciated, without a shred of appreciation, and turned on his heel. I called out to his back. I wouldn't bother the boss right now if I were you. Corvats barely turned his head. That decision is at my discretion, not yours. We just took a look at it earlier, and it's not the kind that a half-size raid can tackle. Besides, your soldiers look pretty wasted. To me. My men aren't weaklings, to complain about a simple. March, Corvats put extra weight on my men, but the exhausted warrior sprawled out on the floor, didn't seem to share his camaraderie. Back on your feet. They slowly climbed up and reformed into two rows. Corvats took his spot at the fore, without sparing us a second glance. He raised and lowered his arm, and the twelve readied their weapons, and resumed the march. While their HP appeared full, the tense battles of SAO left invisible strain on its players. Our real bodies weren't budging in. Inch back on the other side, but the fatigue we felt here would not disappear without sleep or relaxation. From what I could tell, the Army soldiers weren't used to battle on the front line, and they were at their limit. Do they know what they're doing? The army squad disappeared through the exit farther up the tower, and the measured footsteps faded out. Klein was too concerned for his own good. I mean, they're not just going to charge right into the boss. Lair. Asuna looked worried. Something in Corvat's attitude sug-jest that they were taking a risk that was downright reckless. Should we at least check on them first? I suggested. Even. Klein's party nodded in agreement. Who's too concerned for his? Own good now? I grimaced to myself, but my mind was made up. I wouldn't sleep well that night if we left now and found out later. That the group never returned. I checked my equipment and was preparing to leave when I heard Klein whispering to Asuna, behind my back. At first I was exasperated, but that turned to surprise when I listened to what he was saying. So, um, Asuna? Er, how should I say this? I know he might not deserve it, but be good to Carito, will you? Even if he is an introverted, grumpy, battle-obsessed idiot. I spun around and yanked hard on Klein's bandana. W.H. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. He rubbed his stubbled chin, head tilted. I mean, you're actually teaming up with someone now. Ensnared. By feminine wiles, or not, it's still progress. I, I am not being seduced. 
I noticed that Klein, his party, and even Asuna were all grinning at me, so I had no choice but to clamp my mouth shut and turn around. I even heard Asuna assure Klein, I'll take good care of him. I beat a hasty retreat through the doorway, my boots clacking on the stones. We were unlucky enough to run into a group of lizard men, so bye. The time the eight of us reached the hallway at the top of the tower, it had already been thirty minutes. We never caught up to the army squadron. Maybe they used some items to return already? Klein offered. In an attempt to break the tension, but none of us believed it. Our pace quickened as we headed down the hallway. About halfway to the door, we heard the echoing sounds that confirmed our fears. I stopped abruptly and focused my ears. Aya. It was soft, but undeniably a scream. And not from a monster. We looked at one another and raced. Forward. Asuna and I pulled away from Klein's group due to our agility, but this was no time for playing nice. We sped over the slick stone shining blue, this time in the opposite direction of our last, panicked sprint. Finally, we came to the massive chamber doors. They were already wide open, the flickering blue flames visible amid the darkness within. And behind them, a massive shadow, writhing, periodic, metallic clanging. Screams. Those idiots. Asuna shrieked, dashing even faster. I strained. To keep up. We were going about as fast as the system could allow. Us. It felt like my feet weren't even touching the floor. The pillars. That lined the hallway were a blur. We screeched to a halt right before the doorway, the hobnails. Of our boots raising sparks. Hey. Anyone okay in there? I shouted, leaning my upper half. Through the doorway. The interior of the room was a picture of hell. The blue-white flames were flickering across the floor in a lattice pattern. At the center, its back to us, loomed a gigantic form. Gleaming with metal, the blue demon, the gleam eyes. The wicked goat head emitted burning breath, and it swung. Around a gargantuan blade like a zombato, a sword more suited. For dicing horses than human beings. It hadn't even lost a third of. Its HP. All around it, minuscule shadows leaped and fled. It was. The army. Their prior discipline was entirely gone. I tried to do a quick. Head count and came up too short. Hopefully they'd use teleport. Crystals to escape. One of the men took a tremendous swipe from the Zombato, too. His side and went sprawling across the floor. His HP was down in. The red zone. Somehow, the army had managed to get trapped, with the gleam eyes standing between them and the doorway. Where we stood now. I shouted to one of the collapsed players. What are you doing? Teleport out of here. His face, lit blue with the room's eerie flames, was a rictus of terror and despair. It won't work, we can't, use any crystals. Wah, my breath caught in my throat. The chamber was an antichrist zone. It was a rare trap that you occasionally saw in labyrinths, but none of the boss layers had been this way before. They can't teleport out. Asuna swallowed.
This meant that it would be much harder to save them. On the other side of the demon, one of the players raised his sword and gave a battle cry. Nonsense. Retreat is not an option for the Liberation Army. Fight, you scoundrels, fight. It was clearly Corvat's. You fools. I screamed. The fact that there were two people. Missing in an anti-crystal zone meant they were dead, gone forever. The unthinkable had already occurred, and he wanted them. To keep going, I could feel all the blood in my body boiling. Klein's party finally caught up to us. What's going on here? I explained as briefly as I could. Klein grimaced. Isn't there anything we can do for them? If we leaped into the fray, it was possible that we could clear a path for the soldiers to escape. But without a quick and easy way. To teleport out, there was no guarantee we wouldn't suffer casual ties in the process. We just didn't have enough people. As I hesitated over what to do, Corvats had rallied his men to their feet, crossed the room and was bellowing orders. All units, charge! Out of the ten survivors, two were slumped on the floor in critical condition. The other eight formed two lines of four, with C.O.R. Vats, brandishing his sword in the lead. No. Stop. But my scream didn't reach them. It was sheer madness. Eight warriors attacking all at once. Wouldn't do a thing but cause chaos and limit their individual. Strengths. They ought to be taking a defensive stance, doing bits of damage one at a time and switching out constantly. The beast stood upright, hands on hips, and let out an earth-shaking roar, spewing bright steam from its mouth. The exhaust must have had a damaging effect, because the soldiers who came into contact with it slowed their attack. Out came the demons. Giant sword again. One man was flipped straight over the Demon's head by the blade, crumpling in a heap on the floor right. Before us. It was Corvat's. His HP bar was empty. He wore an expression of utter disbelief, his mouth moving slowly. Impossible. As soon as he mouthed the words, Corvat's body shattered, into countless tiny shards with a nerve-grating crackle. Asuna. Gave a brief shriek at his disintegration, so sudden and unceremonious. Their leader gone, the army squad was completely lost. They fled and screamed, all discipline gone. None of the men had even half his health remaining. No, no, you can't. Asuna seemed to be wringing the words out of herself. I tried to reach out and grab her arm, but I was an instant too late. You can't do this, she cried, leaping forward like a burst of wind. She pulled out her rapier in midair and plunged into the gleam eyes, a beam of light. Asuna. I shouted, forced to follow in her footsteps. Whatever happens, happens. Klein's party brought up the rear. Asuna's desperation attack struck the demon directly in the back. Sadly, its effect on the monster's health was nearly imperceptible. The gleam eye spun around with a bellow of rage, swinging its zombato with fearful speed. Asuna darted out of the way, but the blade's shock wave threw her to the ground. It swung around mercilessly for a follow-up.
Asana. Sheer terror chilled my spine, and I desperately lunged for the space between Asuna and the sword. At the last possible instant, I succeeded in just barely deflecting the path of the demon's assault. The impact was breathtaking. Our weapons sent off sparks as they scraped, and the giant blade smashed into the floor, just inches from where Asuna lay, gouging a deep furrow with the sound of an explosion. Get back! I shouted, preparing for the demon's next blow. The swings came fast and furious, each individual swipe powerful. Enough to be fatal. There was no time for me to mount a counterattack. The Gleam Eyes used double-handed greatsword skills, but the perfect craft of its combinations left me totally unable to guess what was coming next. All my nerves were on edge, my every instinct dedicated to parrying or sidestepping each blow. The force of them was so overwhelming, however, that I couldn't avoid everything, and my HP dwindled bit by bit with each deflection. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Klein's party lifting up the fallen army soldiers to drag them out of the room. As the demon and I were fighting smack in the middle of the chamber, their progress was limited. Ugh. The demon finally connected on a powerful stroke. I went. Numb with the rattling shock, and my HP dropped precipitously. My equipment and skill loadout weren't designed for tanking. I couldn't last much longer. Fear of death spread through my limbs. Like a chill. I couldn't even coordinate well enough to escape. There was only one course of action remaining. I had to put all of my damage-dealing expertise to the test and fight back. Asuna. Klein. Just hold out for ten seconds. I gave a hearty swing of my sword and deflected the beasts. Next attack, taking advantage of the brief pause that ensued to drop into a roll. Klein filled the gap with his katana, just in time. Unfortunately, Klein's katana and Asuna's rapier were both se-lecked for their speed in battle, not their weight. They wouldn't stand up to the demon's tremendous horse cleaver. I swiped my left hand while on the floor, calling up the menu. There was no time for a single mistake. My fingers flew over. The buttons, my heart racing. I quickly shuffled through my inventory list, found what I wanted, and materialized it. I set the item in a blank slot on my equipment mannequin, opened my skill window, and switched my currently selected weapon skill. When all the steps were complete, I hit the OK button to close. The window felt a new weight on my back and looked up. Already. Klein was pulling back and his HP bar was lower, he must have taken a hit. Normally, he'd be using a healing crystal, but that wouldn't work in here. Asuna was occupying the demons at tension now, and in a few seconds, she'd be down under half of her health, into the yellow zone. When she heard me give the signal from behind her, Asuna nodded and unleashed a thrust attack with a piercing cry. Yaya. Her sword left white tracers behind as it flew forward and call lied with the Gleamize's blade, sparks flying in every direction. Both of them were knocked backward by the force of the impact, leaving a space in between. Switch. I leaped in to face the enemy without missing a beat. The 
demon recovered from its momentary paralysis and swung hard. The Zambato trailed fire until it came into contact with the trusty sword in my right hand while my left hand reached for the new sword slung over my back. It pulled free and connected with the demon's torso. It was the first clean hit we'd scored, and four. The first time, I actually saw its HP bar diminish. Groa. It erupted with rage and attempted another downward swipe. This time I absorbed the blow fully with both swords crossed in. Front of me, and pushed back. It lost balance with the reflection of. Force, and I leaped onto the offensive for the first time. A mid-level slash with the right sword. A momentary thrust. With the left. Right, left, right again. My swords flashed so. Quickly, they seemed to burn my brain cells. High-pitched slash ING sound effects popped off in quick succession, and beams of. Light shot out of the fray like stardust. I was using my hidden specialty, the extra skill, dual blades. This was Starburst Stream, a high-level, 16-part Comina tie-in. Rhea. Paying no mind to the few blows that the demon blocked, I roared as my assault continued, left and right. My eyesight began, scorching, I could barely even see the enemy anymore. Even the occasional shock of the monster's sword striking my body felt like it was coming from another world entirely. Adrenaline coursed through my veins, and my nerves sparked with every swing of the swords. Faster, faster. My mind was accelerated to the breaking point, even the double speed of swinging twice the swords feeling inadequate. I swung faster and faster, attempting to outdo even the speed assist of the game system. Ahawk. The sixteenth and final blow caught the gleam eyes directly in the middle of the chest. Groa. Suddenly I realized I wasn't the only one bellowing. The Demon was roaring up at the ceiling, white exhaust pouring from its mouth and nostrils. It seemed to freeze for just an instant. And the gleam eyes exploded into a vast cloud of tiny pieces. Glittering particles of light showered the room. Is it over? My eyes swam with the aftereffects of the battle, and I unconsciously swiped both swords and returned them to the scabbards. Crossed over my back. I checked my HP bar, a few pixels of red. Remained. I stared at them as though they didn't belong to me, then felt all the strength leave my body. I slid to the floor without. A word. Blackness. Two. Carito. As soon as near screaming woke me from the darkness. I slowly. Sat upright, grimacing at the splitting pain in my head. Ow oh well. I was in the boss's chamber. Motes of blue light still danced in. The air, I hadn't lost consciousness for more than a few seconds, it seemed. Asuna's face hovered over mine. She appeared to be on the verge of tears, biting her lip, her eyebrows knitted. You idiot. That was so reckless, she cried, squeezing me. Around the neck. I was so shocked that I momentarily forgot the throbbing pain in my head. Don't strangle me too hard, or you'll wipe out the rest of my HP, I joked lamely, but she looked furious. A moment later, she plugged a small bottle into my lips. 
The liquid, which tasted like a mix of green tea and lemon juice, was a restorative high potion. The potion would finish restoring all of my health in just five minutes, but the feeling of weakness would last for quite a bit longer. Asuna checked to ensure that I'd finished the entire bottle, then placed her forehead on my shoulder so I couldn't see her. Face crinkling into tears. Footsteps approached, and I heard Klein speak up hesitantly. We've healed the rest of the survivors, but Corvats and two. Others are dead. I see, we haven't lost anyone to a boss since the 67th floor. Can you even call this winning the battle? The idiot, what? Good, does it do to challenge the boss if it gets you killed? Klein. Spat angrily. He shook his head and sighed, then changed the subject. But on the other hand, what the hell did you just do? Do I have to tell you? Bet your ass you do. I've never seen anything like that before. I suddenly realized that every person in the room aside from Asuna was staring at me, waiting on my answer. It's an extra skill, dual blades. There was a murmur among the army survivors and Kleins. Guildmates. SAO's weapon skills were normally arranged into several major schools, with new categories unlocking in stages. Take. Swords, for example, after enough proficiency with the basic. One-handed sword skill, other options such as rapiers or two-handed swords would become available in your skill list. Klein pushed me for details, clearly interested. H. How do you unlock it? If I knew that, I'd have announced it publicly. He grunted in. Understanding. There were a few weapon categories known as extra skills, whose requirements were unknown, possibly even random. Klein's katana skill was an example of this. It was one of the EAS dash. Your extra skills to obtain, most received it from relentlessly upgrading their curved sword skill. Most of the dozen or so extra skills known throughout the game had been earned by a good ten people, at least. But my extra skill dual blades and another skill wielded by a well-known figure were the only exceptions to that rule. Those two might as well be called unique skills, because only one person in all of Aincrad possessed them. I'd kept my dual-wield capability under wraps until now, but there was no avoiding the inevitable, by tomorrow the rest of the game would be buzzing with the second instance of a unique skill. There was no hiding it anymore, not after so many had just seen it in action. How could you keep such a crazy ability from me, Carito? If I knew how I got it, I wouldn't be hiding it. I seriously have no idea. I shrugged. I wasn't lying. One day about a year ago, I noticed that duel. Blades had simply popped into my skill window. There was no way of knowing what caused it to appear. Since then, I'd been diligently working on the skill where there was no danger of being seen. Even after I'd nearly mastered it, I only ever used it while adventuring if I was in true danger, partially because I wanted it to be my safety net, partially because I didn't want to attract extra attention if I could help it. I'd been hoping that someone else would emerge with the skill at some point, but that moment never came. I scratched nervously behind my ear, mumbling my defense. If people find out I've got this rare skill, they might bug me. 
About it, I just don't really want the trouble and attention. Klein nodded. Online gamers are nothing if not jealous. I won't give you grief, cause I'm a stand-up guy, but there will always be haters out there. Besides, he paused, cast a glance at Asuna, who was still clamped tight to my side, and grinned widely. Well, consider suffering to be just another part of your train ing. Good luck, youngster. Easy for you to say. Klein bent over to pat my shoulder, then turned and walked to the army survivors. Can you make it back to your headquarters? One of them nodded. He had to be a teenager still. Good. Tell them exactly what happened here. Convince them. Never to do something so reckless again. Yes, sir. Um, thank you. Thank him. He jabbed a thumb at me. The army men struck gled to their feet and bowed deeply to Asuna and me, then left the room. Once they'd stepped out into the hallway, they each used a crystal to teleport out of the labyrinth. Once the light of their travel had died out, Klein turned back to us with his hands on his hips, satisfied. We're going to go activate the 75th floor teleport. Gate. What's your plan? You're the man of the hour, want to do. The honor? Nah, you go ahead. I'm all tuckered out. All right. Take care, then. Klein nodded and signaled to his friends. The group of six made its way to the large door at the back of the chamber, beyond, which would be the staircase, to the next floor. The lanky leader stopped at the door and turned around. Hey, Carito, when I saw you leap to the army's rescue like that. What? It did my heart good. That's all. Until next time. I had no idea what that meant. Klein threw me a thumbs up. Over his shoulder, then opened the door and disappeared through. It. Asuna and I were all alone in the cavernous chamber. The. Flames emitting from the floor had died down. The previous uneasy eeriness of the room might as well never have been. It was. Filled with the same soft light as the hallway now, and no traces remained of the carnage that had ensued there. I spoke to Asuna, her head still on my shoulder. Hey, Asuna. I was so scared, I didn't know what I'd do if you died. It was as timid and trembling a voice as I'd ever heard out of. Her. Don't be silly. Besides, you were the one who leaped in first. I placed a hand on Asuna's shoulder. If I made my touch a little too obvious, the system's harassment detection might kick in but this wasn't the time to be worrying about that. I pulled her, gently toward me, and heard her speak right near my ear, barely a whisper. I'm going to take a break from the guild for a while. T take a break. What are you going to do? Did you forget that I said I'd be teaming up with you? The instant I heard those words, I was startled to discover a powerful sensation that could only be longing welling up deep in my chest. I was Carito the solo player. I'd cut off all ties with other human beings in order to survive. I'd turned my back on the only friend I had on the day it all began. I was a coward. How could I seek the company of a friend, or something even greater? 
I'd already learned in the most painful way possible what could happen. I'd sworn to myself that I would never make that mistake again, never open my heart to another. And yet, my hand was frozen. It wouldn't leave Asuna's shoulder. I couldn't pull myself away from the virtual warmth that she represented. I grappled with that massive contradiction, and enveloped by a single, unspeakable emotion, I gave her the simplest of answers. All right. Asuna nodded over my shoulder. The next day, I spent all morning moping in the second floor of Agile's general store. I sat back in a rocking chair with my legs. Crossed, unhappily sipping a cup of oddly scented tea that was probably there because no one would buy it. All of Algade, all of Aincrad, most likely, was buzzing with yesterday's incident. The completion of a floor and the opening of a new town were always cause for excitement, but there was more than usual to discuss this time around. You had the army battalion wiped out. By a demon, you had a guy wielding two swords who took it, down on his own with a 50-hit combo, I knew stories grew. Legs, but this was ridiculous. Early in the morning, I was even set upon, by swordsmen, and intel brokers outside my home, how did they find me, and had to use a teleport crystal just to get away from them. I've got to move out. I'll find a real secluded, out of the way. Floor where no one will find me. I muttered, as Agile grinned from ear to ear. Come on, big shot, don't be like that. Everyone deserves his fifteen minutes of fame. Give them a live demonstration. I'll just handle the ticket sales, and in your dreams. I playfully tossed the teacup in the direction of Agile's head, aiming a foot or two to the right, but the motion was so familiar that my throwing blade skill kicked in. The cup flashed brilliantly and shot across the room, exploding against the wall with a deafening crash. Fortunately, the building itself was indestructible, all that happened was the usual system warning that popped up reading. Immortal object, but if I'd hit any of the furniture, it probably would have been blasted to splinters. Whoa, are you trying to kill me? The shopkeeper screamed. I apologized, my hand raised, and sat back down sheepishly. Agile was appraising the treasure I'd brought back from yesterday's battle. Judging from the occasional yelps of surprise, it must have contained some pretty rare loot. Once I'd sold the goods, I was going to split the money with Asuna, but she didn't show up when we were due to meet. I sent her an in-game message through my friends list so she knew where to find me. We'd gone our separate ways at the 74th floor teleport gate yesterday. Asuna said she'd submit a notice of leave from the Cobb and headed to their headquarters in Granzam on the 55th floor. There was the matter with Cora Deal to report as well, so I offered to come along and corroborate her story, but she smiled and said she was fine alone. It was already two hours after our meeting time. Something must have happened to make her so late. Should I have insisted on going with her after all? I drank down the rest of the tea, try ing to keep my anxiety from rising. By the time the teapot was entirely empty and Agile was mostly finished appraising my items, I finally heard the tapping of quick 
Footsteps coming up the stairs. The door flew open. Yo, Asuna. But I swallowed my light-hearted tease before it could leave my throat. Asuna was in her usual uniform, but her face was pale and her eyes were wide with concern. She clenched her hands in front of her chest and bit her lip several times before finally saying, What'll we do, Corrido? Her voice verged on tears. There's been some trouble. Once we'd made some fresh tea and Asuna regained some color. In her cheeks, she began to explain. Agile was considerate enough to tend to the storefront downstairs. After everything that happened yesterday, I went to Guild HQ in Grand Zam to report to the commander. I told him that I wanted to take some time away from the guild, then went home for the night, and I was expecting that decision to be accepted at this morning's meeting, but Asuna looked down at the cup of tea she held in both hands. The commander claimed that he'd only agree to my temporary leave on one condition. He wants to have a one-on-one -on -one with you. What? For an instant, I didn't understand. One-on-one? -on -one? Like a duel? How did Asuna's leave of absence turn into that? I asked her. I don't know, either, she murmured, hanging her head. I tried to convince him it was pointless, but, he just wouldn't lease ten. That's strange, I didn't think he was the type of man to put. Forth a condition like that, I said, picturing the image of the fell low as I knew him. Exactly. Normally, he entrusts the guild affairs and even the labyrinth strategy to us. He doesn't give a single order of his own. This seems to be an exception. The commander of the Knights of the Blood was such a compelling figure that he roused the hearts of not just his own guild, but virtually all the high-level players active in clearing the game. Yet he hardly ever issued orders. I'd been in his presence during boss battles on multiple occasions, and his silent support for all involved was worthy of admiration. So it was extremely odd that he chose this moment, of all moments, to cast a contrary vote and challenge me to a duel. I was puzzled, but I also wanted to put Asuna at ease. Well, anyway, I'll go to Grand Zam and see if I can help. Straighten this out. Sorry about this. I didn't mean to cause you so much trouble. I'll do anything. You mean a lot too. I stopped to search for the right words. Asuna watched me. Closely, you're a valuable ally in beating the game after all. Her mouth twisted in slight disappointment, but then she gave me a smile at last. The strongest man in Aincrad. The living legend. The paladin. The leader of the Knights of the Blood was a man of many. Monikers. His name was Heathcliff. Before the stories about my duel. Blades made the rounds, he was the only player out of six thou sand known to possess a unique skill. Heathcliff's ability was Holy Sword, a skill that balanced defense and defense, and he appropriately wore a sword and shield fashioned into the shape of a cross. When I'd seen him use it in battle, it was the defense that floored me. Rumor held that no one had ever seen his HP bar fall into the yellow zone. His single-handed, ten-minute command of the ravaged front line in the catastrophic battle with the 50th floor boss was the stuff of leg end. 
It was one of the unshakable truths of Aincrad, no blade. Could break Heathcliff's cruciform shield. Now, standing on the 55th floor with Asuna, I was. Gripped with nerves. I had no intention of crossing swords with. Heathcliff, of course. I was simply going to ask him to consider. Granting Asuna temporary leave from the guild. Grand Zam was the main city of the 55th floor, known as. The City of Iron. Most of the towns of Aincrad were built of stone, but the countless minarets of Granzam were gleaming steel. It was full of blacksmiths and engravers, and while the town boasted a considerable population, there was nothing in the way of greenery within. When the deepening autumn winds blew, Granzam was undeniably cold, and it wasn't just the temperature. We crossed the teleport gate square and walked down a main Street made of polished steel plates riveted into place. Asuna's pace was slow, she feared what was about to happen. After nearly ten minutes of winding through the towers, one came into view that was much larger than the others. A number of silver spears jutted out from above the large front door, and a banner bearing a red cross on a white field hung rippling in the chill breeze. It was the headquarters of the Knights of the Blood. Asuna stopped in front of the building and looked up at the tower. Before this, our base was just a tiny little house in a remote town on the 39th floor. We used to complain about how cramped it was. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing we've come a long way since then, but I hate this town. It's so cold. Let's get this over with and find something hot to eat, then. Is eating all you think about? She laughed, swinging her hand over and lightly squeezing the tips of my fingers. She held it there for several seconds, not seeing the panic on my face, then released her grip and said, all recharged. She began striding toward the tower, and I hurried to keep up. We climbed a wide staircase to a large, open doorway, flanked by soldiers in heavy armor with frighteningly long spears. As the Clicking of Asuna's boots drew nearer, they raised their weapons and saluted with a clank. Keep up the good work. She returned a crisp salute with one hand, walking briskly. It was hard to imagine that this was the same person who'd been moping in Agile's shop just an hour earlier. I hurriedly followed. Asuna passed the guards and into the tower. The first-floor lobby of the tower was made of the same black steel as the rest of the city, and it served as a giant stairwell. There was no one inside. I crossed the floor, a finely crafted mosaic of different kinds of metal, feeling that the building was somehow even colder than the rest of the town. The spiral staircase started at the far end of the lobby. We climbed the stairs, our clanging footsteps echoing throughout. The tower was tall enough that a person with a weaker Strength staff would give up halfway. We passed many doorways, and just when I began to wonder how much farther we could POS Sibley go, Asuna stopped. We were in front of a nondescript metal. Door. Is this it? Yep. Asuna nodded hesitantly. But she eventually steeled her. Nerves, gave the door a high-pitched knock, and then opened it. Without waiting for an answer. 
I had to squint at the overwhelm ING light that poured through the doorway. It was a large, circular room that took up the entire floor of the tower. All the walls were made of clear glass. The gray light that streamed inside painted the entire room in a drab monotone. A large, semicircular desk was placed in the middle of the 